0: The following audio is from LifeHouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at lifehousechurch.org.
1: Things are not as they should be. The world around us is broken. Too many of our homes, too many of our neighborhoods, our streets are broken not because i say so but because that's the way you see it and in fact if you were to listen if you've listened to some of the top songs on the charts right now songs that have gone viral it's it's like these the reason these songs are so such big hits is because they're putting word to people's frustration to people's fears to their anger to the to the feeling that the world is not as it should be and it's broken and I see no light at the end of the tunnel. So what do you do about it? What are we gonna do about it? When we think about our city. What, what are we gonna do about it? And so what I know that we often try to do about it is we, is we put effort and energy into trying to be part of a solution, but it can often feel like running on a treadmill. It makes you feel better, but it doesn't get you anywhere, right? Is that fair? I mean, I, that's personally, I hate running on a treadmill because I don't get anywhere. And and so I think that that's a lot of effort gets put into trying to make a difference, but people are putting a lot of energy in, but getting nowhere. Meanwhile, there's a lot of desperate need around us, isn't there? It's a lot of brokenness, a lot of pain. The world is not as it should be. Desperate need. It, we're Today, we're, tackling and just trying to look at how can we be for our city and when you think about this community i mean just our immediate community right not just the national crisis but right here in our own neighborhoods we continue to have year after year a growing opioid epidemic rising number of people struggling with alcoholism and drug abuse rising number of people overdosing and dying from fentanyl and heroin overdose. Meaning, we've been talking about this now year after year after year, and the numbers are not getting better, they're getting worse. Increase in the numbers of homelessness and people stuck in poverty. And with that, what it feels like is people are stuck in hopelessness. Talking for years about issues where vulnerable people are taken advantage of and abused. For years, we felt like we were talking about the issue of human trafficking and people didn't even know what we were talking about, let alone realize that it was a real issue. And I think just recently people are beginning to realize, but this is real. This is really happening in our community, in our city. There's issues of human trafficking and sex trafficking where people are treated as slaves. We have rising numbers of children in incredibly at risk situations in need of stable living, you know, a stable home to be cared for because they're in abusive or very vulnerable, dangerous situations. We need more foster families. We need more mentors. And yet we're in crisis. And I could just continue to go down the list of the issues, right? We've got rising political animosity and rising racial tensions, which creates division and separates people rather than people uniting together. See, the world is not as it should be. The world we live in is broken. So what are we gonna do about it? And what I know, if you're, you know, just kind of watching for years now, you you have two kind of responses when people realize that their best effort feels like running on a treadmill. Some people realize it and they just hit stop and they get off and they just start going about their own lives. You know, it's not worth my effort, so I'm done. I haven't been getting anywhere. It's motion without movement. So they hit stop and they stop investing and they just get off. Others, they, they hit the speed button and they start going faster. Maybe if we just run harder and put more energy into it, that'll accomplish something. And then you invite more people on the treadmill and it's a bunch of people on this hamster wheel going nowhere, but at least everybody feels better because they're tired out. But at the end of the day, hopefully you're following my metaphor here, is it making any real difference? In the community? I mean, is, is more anger and more vitriol and and hate to hate and violence to violence and hurt to hurt and is it solving anything so what is the answer so i thought hey at the very least i should show up as a pastor and offer a word of encouragement yeah thank you one of you agrees thank you yeah so those of you online i know you agree with me so here's what i did i just i found a verse and I know some of you know this verse in the Bible. It's, it's in the Bible. And unfortunately, when I read it, it's gonna read a little bit like a fortune cookie. I, but I thought I gotta encourage you. So maybe this is for you personally. Maybe this is for our city. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope. And a future. Come on, that's good. Let me read one more time. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans uh, to give you a hope and a future. Maybe some of you, you needed to hear that today. Maybe some of you, you need to believe that for your own school or your own workplace, or man, you've lost so much hope that you need to believe that for our city or our nation. As with every other verse in the Bible, there's a context to what's written. What I mean is, anything you read in the Bible is kind of like if you... (sighs) Imagine you jumped in to and got a chance to read one line of a long text exchange. Any of you ever have those kind of text exchanges that go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, and it's like really long? And then one of you, I know this, one of you has a tendency to overwrite. Like you write the book text. And now imagine one person jumps in and they read just one line of a long text exchange, right? Would, you, would it make sense? Would you understand what's going on? Would you be like, oh, I totally get why they wrote that? No, you wouldn't, would you? We all agree. That's how people read the Bible, this verse is like reading one, te- one part of a long text exchange. A text exchange written in 66 different books by 40 different authors. So now, imagine you're not just in a text exchange, but you're in a text exchange with 40 different authors who have all written about 66 different books. And the point is that every single part of this has a context. I mean, there's a reason, there's a setting there's something surrounding it the way it was written. What's the context of what I just read to you? I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Here's the context. It's written to the Jewish people from the half tribe, the half portion of the nation. I mean, the nation had been ripped in half. Civil war. The half, the, the Southern portion called Judah was being conquered by the nation of Babylon, which was the dominant world power of its time. Babylon was coming against the, uh, poor, the Judah for about two decades. Over the span of those two decades, this guy Jeremiah is a spiritual leader riding to them to encourage them and to guide them during this time of great crisis. This happens around 605 B.C., For 800 years, they've been living in the promised land, and now they're losing it. Finally, in 587 BC, Babylon, its king and its armies march against Jerusalem, and they decimate it. They tear down Solomon's temple. They destroy the place where they worship. They destroy the city walls, which would be their protection. And they take most of the people into captivity. They drag them off as slaves to Babylon. In Babylon, Jeremiah writes to his people, to the people that have been taken captive. And this is, by the way, written probably not long after they get there, maybe a year after they got there. He writes, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Changes the context, doesn't it? Changes the meaning of it, doesn't it? Well, if you jump back, and this is actually a portion of a larger sermon that Jeremiah is preaching to the people. The first verse reads this way. This is what the Lord Almighty, and he uses that phrase because he's saying, this is what the God of all of the universe, the sovereign king over all kingdoms says this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says to all of those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. You might not have caught it, but as I was studying this, I caught it. There's a portion, a little phrase in that, what I just read to you that really jumps out and it changes the entire meaning of this message. He says, this is what the God of the universe, the sovereign king over all kingdoms, wants to say to his chosen people who he carried and sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Did you catch it? They were exactly where God wanted them to be. They thought they were far from home. They thought they had been kidnapped and enslaved. Meanwhile, God is saying to them, no, not at all. I sent you. I carried you. You are right where I want you to be. And so the key here is when you put those two verses together, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. God is saying, I have good plans for your life. God's good plans placed you here to prosper. Do you hear it? That wasn't to the nation of Judah. That's to you. God's good plans placed you here to prosper. Meaning God has you right where he wants you and he wants you to prosper right where he's placed you. You were meant to flourish in the exact place you're in right now. You are not where you are by accident. It might've been your accident. You are not where you are as a cosmic mistake. You are there by divine destiny and appointment. You've been carried where you are today by the loving hands of a good God. But why are things a mess? Thought you would never ask. Because under the surface of all the brokenness, under the surface of everything that's gone wrong in the world around us is an underlying spiritual war and that war has weapons and those weapons live inside of every one of us, meaning we are contributing to the trouble. We want to be part of the solution but most of us are part of the problem. Why? Because every one of us have a spiritual sabotaging force in us called sin, and sin wrecks things. When when, you're at, when you go when you leave your home, and you know it's going to rain, and you decide to leave your umbrella behind, you step out into the rain outside of the protection of an umbrella. And what happens when when you do that? You get wet. The nation of Israel had left the umbrella of God's protection and everything went wrong. They're in exile because they went out from underneath the protection of the umbrella and trouble happened. But in the middle of all that trouble, God says, hey, I haven't abandoned you. In fact, I'm with you and I've carried you. You're still in my care, even though you thought you were getting out from underneath the umbrella. And I want you to know today that there is this, powerful, loving, almighty God who sees you right where you are. Maybe you left the umbrella behind, stepped out of your home, and got soaking wet. By the way, you know I'm using that as a metaphor, right? You got soaked by troubles in life. Your workplace got drenched. There's chaos and troubles in the home, and the community. When you turn on the news and look at your feed, you're seeing all of the chaos. It's because we live in a world that came out from underneath the covering protection of the umbrella of God's love and God's power, and we thought we could do things on our own, and it causes trouble. Worse than trouble, it causes judgment in our own lives. The consequence of sin in our own lives is it leads to a forever without God. But we have a good God whose plans for every one of us are not to harm us, but to prosper us. And so you know what God did? He stepped from heaven to earth. He became one of us. And he said, I'll take on the harm. The reason why God's plans for you are not to harm you is because God said, I'll take on all of the harm. Someone had to pay the price for our sin, and so Jesus stepped in, and when he died on a cross, he absorbed our eternal death sentence, the judgment we deserve, the harm that is due us, Jesus took on himself, and he died in our place. But Jesus not only died, he rose again from the dead, victorious over sin, victorious over death and victorious over eternal judgment so that anyone who believes in Jesus by faith is both forgiven and given new and forever life. Wow, wow. Here's what that means for you. When you step under the umbrella of God's love through faith in Jesus Christ, you are now perfectly where God wants you to be no matter where you are. Let me let me make sure I restate that because I don't want you to miss that. Regardless of the circumstances of your life, regardless of the chaos around you, when you step under the umbrella of the covering of Jesus, God's love, God's forgiveness, God's new life, you are now exactly where God wants you to be. He has carried you to this moment, regardless of what circumstances surround you. You are right where God wants you to be. So you have hope, you have a future. God has good plans for you. Now, now that you're under that umbrella, now that you're right where God wants you to be because you're in the covering of Jesus, you're in his forgiveness and his, his goodness, now, you because you are right where God wants you to be, he has a purpose for you to be where he wants you to be. Do you catch that? He placed you right where you are to prosper. Now we jump back into the story. Listen to this, the very next verse. It, so what precedes it is, he says, I am God almighty, you ruler of the universe, king above all kingdoms, and I carried you into exile. And then he goes like this, listen to this, build houses, settle down. Actually, another translation, because it kind of linked to the, the original, the way this was written in the Hebrew, he goes like this, build houses, plan to stay a while. You like that? Plan to stick around a while. Plant gardens. And by the way, these gardens are not just like, you think of like a backyard garden today where you like you till the soil, you plant some seeds, you get a crop for that year and then you gotta redo the whole thing next year or, or it's just a mess. When they mean gardens, you think about like a homestead where in ancient times they would put walls around the garden, big walls so the animals couldn't get in and then they would plant fruit trees and other kinds of crops that were perennial, meaning, you know, if you plant a fruit tree, you don't get fruit the first year, do you? No, you gotta you got wait like five, six years. So he goes, plant grapevines that take three or four seasons to produce grapes. Plant olive trees that take six, seven, eight years to produce the harvest. Plan on staying here a while. He was like this, marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have, wait, so that, I just lost my voice. So that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Did you catch it? You, you do realize that this isn't really about houses and gardens and children. Do you, he's talking to a group of people that are just hanging around, waiting to get out of Babylon and go home. And God is speaking to him saying, you are right where I want you. Here's what I want you to do. Plan to stick around a while. Plan to be where you are. Build homes. Plan to stick around. Plant gardens that will take years to cultivate. Have children. When those children grow up, have them get married. Because then you have grandbabies right in Babylon. You are right where I want you to be, and I want you to increase, not decrease. What's the point? God is inviting us to prosper where we're planted. Prosper where you are planted. God puts you right where he wants you. He wants you to grow some roots. He wants you to produce some fruit. Did you catch it? Some of us are in such a hurry to get to a different place in life that we don't grow roots right where we are. And I, by the way, hopefully you're catching on that like if you were thinking about buying a new house, this isn't a message about like, you're not allowed to buy a new house. You're, you're being transferred to another city and you're like, oh no, Patrick is preaching. I hope you get the point that this isn't like a challenge. You have to live right where you are. You can't move. No, you got to just build a garden. I, I'm now borrowing from this, right? Because today the, the, the people of God are the church, the people who love Jesus. And it, it's not about building a physical home. It's about building a life. It's about doing the kind of things that take a long time to produce fruit. Serving, giving, praying, loving others. Put put an investment into the ground of life that you won't see a return on that investment for years. Build families, invest into other people so that generations are impacted. Make a difference in the people around you. Be willing to invest your life in others. Build homes, plan to stick around a while, plant the kind of things that take years to grow. Invest your heart. Don't be in a hurry to get somewhere else thinking that the best of your life is somewhere else. What he's saying is you don't need to wait till the next season to make a difference where you're at. You don't need to get to a different city to make a difference in this city. You don't need another season to start working on your marriage. Don't wait until it's too late to start investing into your children. Make an investment today. Start making a difference in the school that you work in. Start making a difference in the community that you live in. Plant seeds that take a long time to cultivate. Prosper where you're planted. Now, there's a second part to this, and this is actually crucial. Verse seven, also seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Did you catch it? Hopefully you heard something really important. As God is speaking through the prophet Jeremiah, he said, your prosperity is hanging in the balance of the, your community's prosperity. I mean, if it doesn't prosper, you don't get to prosper. If it doesn't have peace you don't have peace. If it doesn't flourish, you don't flourish. Your flourishing is directly tied to the flourishing of your community. In fact, he uses two words. He says, peace and prosperity, but those do not really mean what you think they mean. They're very synonymous. The word peace in Hebrew is the word shalom. It means community flourishing, where everything is as it should be. It's in balance. He's saying, pray, for the peace. Pray for the shalom of your city. You know what that, this has to mean? That means that we are called to be for, not against. You are called to be for, not against. We are not, as a church, we're not raging against our city. We're not raging against people. We're not standing against Things, people that we disagree with. Does it mean that we don't have disagreements? No, of course. Does it mean that there aren't uh, issues that rise up in our culture that the church doesn't have deep convictions about? Of course. But we match our convictions with our compassion. We know that we don't just see problems, we see people. And you know what I know? God is for you. And if God is for you, God is for you. Your neighbors. And if he's for your neighbors, he's for your neighborhood. And if he's for your neighborhood, he's for our city. God is for you and he is for our city, which means you and I are invited to be for, not against so many people. And unfortunately, this makes its way into the church where they're known more for what they're against than what they're for. But when you start to recognize that we don't see problems, we see people. We might disagree with the person, but we're still for them. We might disagree with the person's lifestyle. We might disagree with the person's choices, but we're for them. Why? Because what we want is God's best for them. We want their flourishing. We want them to experience shalom that can only come from God himself. And the only way that's going to happen is if a city doesn't believe that we're endlessly against them, that people, plot groups of people, don't think that we're railing against them and we hate them. They understand that, no, 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 how can we hate you when God loves you? We might disagree with your choices. We might disagree with what's going on. But we're for you because we're going to be part of the solution. We're going to be part of the response of God to the pain and the problems around us. We're going to get involved rather than disengaging. We're not going to make our statements on social media and on headlines. We're going to make our statements by serving in the streets and loving, hurting people and caring for vulnerable children, by opening our homes in foster care, by giving our resources to those that are homeless and in poverty, by getting ourselves involved in being the response to people needing to recover from human trafficking and sex trafficking by putting our money where our mouth is and being the response of God to the generosity our city desperately needs. See, you get what I'm saying, right? We're for, not against. And by the way, everything I listed is what LifeHouse is all about. And when we say for our city, that's exactly what we mean. Do you know that we, yeah, thank you. I'm, I'm convinced that as our county needs foster families, They don't have to look anywhere else but the church. We should be the feeders for foster families and adoptive families. And if we need mentors for at-risk kids in our schools, we have them all right here. You're joining us online, you're not exempt. Come on, you get involved in your city. We have a homelessness crisis or an opioid crisis. We've got people who are ODing and they need somebody to get involved in their life. Guess what, that's us. See, we're for, not against. We're gonna put our we're gonna step up and get involved because we believe that God is for you. God is for our city. There's something really interesting as I bring this in for a landing in this, in this message. Notice a theme. God says to the people who got captured and taken captive to Babylon. God says, I carried you there. Babylon thinks that they came and conquered a city and took all of its people. You know what this would be like think about who are the kind of people that get sent somewhere by God? You know what we call those people? Missionaries. Missionaries go all around the world telling people about Jesus. You know what God is saying to the people of Judah? He goes, Babylon thinks they came and conquered you, and you think you got conquered in fact, what they don't realize is they came and invaded a camp of missionaries who actually were planning on going to Babylon to tell them about God's love. And they did you a favor. They picked you up. They carried you there. You got free transport. They paid for all of your travels and they brought you there just so you could show them God's love. <laughs> I don't know what circumstances got you to this moment. I know you are right where you, want, where you should be. I mean, first you're at Lifehouse. You're at LifeHouse on Our City Sunday, which is awesome. And you are right where God wants you to be. And you're not there by accident. You are not there by, um, by tragedy. You are not there by happenstance. You are there by providence. You are in your school by providence. You are in your workplace by providence, not happenstance. You are designed by God and sent by God and commissioned by God to be the brightest light in a dark world, to carry a message of hope into a place of despair. You are an ambassador of healing to all of the hurt. And in a world of hopelessness, you carry the message of Jesus, which is the hope of the world. You are sent right where you are today. So prosper where you've been planted. Before, not against, because God is for you and God is for our city. Can I take a moment? I wanna invite you just to pause. Would you close your eyes all across this place? Those of you joining us online, well, we don't really, we're not too worried if you close your eyes, but if you, we'd love for you too. If right now your first step is to begin a relationship with Jesus. Can I invite you to say yes to God? To come under the umbrella of God's love, his forgiveness. If for the first time you're ready to say yes and recognize that God is for you and wants to forgive you, would you say yes to Jesus by faith right now? And if that's where you're at, I'm gonna ask you to take a little bit of a risk and you're just gonna raise your hand that's why I asked everybody to close their eyes. So you could raise your hand high. And if you could right now, go ahead. You could slip your hand and say, hey, yeah, Patrick, that's me. I'm saying yes to Jesus by faith. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask Jesus to forgive me my sins and give me new life. Anybody else that's you, you just raise your hand real quick. I see you, I, we see others raising your hands. Go ahead, keep your hand. Hey, by the way, keep it up high enough. Well, here's why. We have people in the back that just wanna put a card in your hand. And they're gonna slip that card in. And as you get that card, some point before you leave, if you would just fill that out and uh, drop it in either the giving boxes or we have a Raise the Life banner, I think. And we want to talk to you before you go. Now, I want to take a moment. I want to pray over those of you that not only that you raised your hand, but every one of us, that we would be light in darkness. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you didn't just abandon us and you're not against us. Thank you that the plans that you have for us, plans to prosper us, not to harm us, plans to give us a hope, and a future. For those that are saying yes to you right now by faith, God, I pray that you would supernaturally meet them, to forgive them, to give them new life, that they would begin brand new in relationship with you, that they would come under the umbrella of your love and your covering. They would recognize that you're for them, not against them. Now, God, would you help each of us? who have said yes to you with our lives, to recognize that we have been on mission and commissioned to be right where we are and that you have placed us here to prosper. May we prosper where we're planted. May we be light in darkness, hope in despair, healing amidst hurt. May our generosity be the response to a world of greed. We ask this now in Jesus' name, amen. Now, I've, before, you, before you think about transition, I've invited Pastor Spencer to come. He, he's not only our campus pastor over the Hagerstown location, and you're a Hub City. This is your home. This is my home, y'all. I love Hub City, baby. And, this is my home. And not only you, you love this community, yeah. but you've served, and yeah. you're here. So I asked Pastor Spencer if he'd come, if you just pray over us, yeah. pray over our city, pray over you. Let me, let
0: me first point out that um, as we go into prayer, you guys know that prayer is very important to us. Um, I'm going to invite on either sides of the stage, and we have a prayer team. We got to share this invitation with you every week because we mean it. Prayer is continuing. We need it so much. And so listen, as we close out this moment, as we go through the closing song, even afterwards, they're here. If you'd like a personal time of prayer, they would love to have that with you. We also have someone online. If you're online, you just put that in there. I'd like to pray with someone. And we would love to do that. What I want to ask you guys to do here, if we can, is during this prayer, let's let's stand. Let's go ahead and stand. They're going to stand you in worship anyway, but I think we should stand now because the prayer that we want to have right now is one of standing. We're going to plant and prosper where we're planted. We're going to stand on a foundation, physically that, it, that is our home, but we're standing on a foundation of being for our city. And let me, let me encourage you also, fill in the blank. This message is coming to you from the epicenter of the good old hub city, but some of y'all are from neighboring towns, neighboring cities and other borders and in, in PA in West Virginia and our county, fill in the blank for your city, okay? Let's pray. God, we thank you for a day like today. We thank you that you're a God that has the plan to prosper us, your people, your church in this world. People were always your plan. Diversity was always your design community. It was always your choice for us. And God, right now, we want to lift up our communities. We want to ask you to smile upon our city the same way that today your glorious rain is falling down. We want you to rain in our cities, in our homes. God, we want to ask you that you would start in the homes. That's where community starts. It was your design that we would live in countries and They would be states and counties and cities, but it does start in our homes. God, I wanna ask that this season right now, as we head back to school, God, would would you walk through the halls of our schools, please? Would you place your hand on the shoulder of students that might not know you? Would you ignite in the ones that do? Would you protect them physically and spiritually? Would you empower our teachers with love and compassion and just a relentless drive to give their best to our students? Would you you be on the hearts of our city and county leaders, our mayor, our officials? Would you protect those that serve, our fire departments, our police, our medical, our first responders? God, would you thrive in our businesses? Would you inspire people to plant new ones Would you be with those and give longevity to those that have been serving for a long time, this community, touch our economy? God, would you move through all of our churches? May not one church be a voice for our city, but all of us, and if if that would happen, God, we truly would be an unstoppable force in our area. God, I'm gonna bring this back to the home. It's where it all starts. God, would would you be present in every home? Would you raise up moms? Would you raise up dads? Would you bring together neighbors? Would you heal family relationships? God, we're asking that you would start in the home. So just like we prayed that something powerful would spill out into the neighborhoods, into the streets, into the communities, God, until, until, at least for what we have in our city, it starts to look a lot like the kingdom of God because that's what we represent. Have your way in our homes. Have your way in our towns, in our cities. We are for you. You're for our city. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further
1: by visiting lifehousechurch.org.